fans, welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend and co-host, <laughs> Alex Tandino. <laughs> now, we are very pro stutter on this, but this will make sense in a minute. All right, guys, a little business before we uh, dive into the courtroom. As it were, please take a second right now, wherever you find the show, especially if that to be after podcast app, uh, leave us a quick five star rating a sentence or two review about why you enjoy spending time with the show helps us out enormously. Thank you to those who've been doing it. This is how we fight the oppressive algorithmic overlords. Uh, please go to YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, Film Alchemist. You can see video versions of most of these audio podcasts there along with other fun stuff we're working on. Uh, so again, that's Film Alchemist on YouTube. Subscribe, share, all that good stuff. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on all the social media you're on. That's a great way to reach out to us. Let us know movies that you want to hear covered, uh, be they new, old. If you have a theme for a whole month, a, a double feature, guest host, yeah, whatever, whatever. I was excited we got a call for the Ewok double feature, which... That may have to happen. But yeah, guys, are you sure that wasn't just me? <laughs> that was just me sending it into us. Yeah, we're both just sending it in. Uh, but yeah, so guys, that's a great way. I do make a master list of everything we get uh, recommended. So I have a big list going, uh, but I do read them all eventually. So thank you guys in advance for uh, all the stuff you do for us. We appreciate it. All right. That's enough business. Time to legally wrestle uh, with the, the ethics of defensing in primal fear. This is Richard Gere, Laura Linney in an inverse attack mode from Emily Rose, which we had talked about how great that would be to see inadvertent perfect pairing here. Uh, Laura Linney on the attack and introducing uh, 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 Edward Norton. Woo! All right, yes. Alex. Now this was, I remember this was one of those explosive movies when it hit uh my parents had thought they had just seen the greatest film ever when this came out at the video store it was a race to try to get this at the video store totally rented for weeks right you remember how they'd have that whole wall where it'd be like 20 of the newest hottest movie always gone always gone primal fear this was a an earth-shattering movie for our parents right and i remember seeing it and thinking it was this amazing thrill ride. And oh my God, they got obviously this movie most known for the ending. I think what is really funny about watching it again is that it plays so much differently than I thought. I think you could argue that this movie is infinitely less thrilling than you will remember. I would agree. But because that ending is one of the finest postscripts in movie history, it goes back and genetically alters, right? It's like an ending crisper that goes back and rewrites the movie in your brain to be this insanely taut thriller. Um, it was quite a ride today. What did you make, Alex? Opening thoughts. Fascinating experience watching this movie as an adult. Uh, I think I snuck downstairs and watched this with my parents because they would rent me. So whenever we went to the video store... Um, this was, let's see, 96. So this came out when I think I was living in Noblesville in Indiana. So we'd go to Kenley's supermarket again. My parents would rent this and then they would rent me. Like, I think at that time I was really into like Power Rangers uh, episodics. So I would get like a Power Rangers tape. Um, 
this was one of those that I snuck downstairs to see what my parents were interested in. And years later, I was talking with my dad about it. And he was like, did you not figure it out? And like, my dad, like, my dad just says, like, you didn't figure out it was fucking her with everyone for the first like five minutes you saw him like <laughs> no and he's like well i don't know i'm like you're well, a your lawyer, dad's man. A, yeah he's a law dog i'm like you're a fucking law dog of course you're gonna know that he goes everyone should know that i'm like all right high and mighty just watching now, movies with my thing. dad is like watching movies with us it's, right uh, <laughs> but this is what i'm saying right so everyone was in a in a tuzi today on film twitter because yes. they're doing a remake of this australian film good night mommy right yeah, saw that. It's a, it's a fine little horror film, but it's one of those things that from the very first shot of the movie, right? You're like, oh, I know exactly what they're doing. Within mm-hmm. five minutes, you're like, that's going to be the twist. And the movie loses a lot in my mind because of that, right? So you're like, right. I get it. I get it. Just it's still really a fun journey. So not right. talking trash on Goodnight Mommy. I do like it. But you figure it out so fast. Right. And I feel like I'm pretty great at guessing the twist of movies way out in advance i think you do a podcast like this and you are a screenwriter and i used to be a script notes uh you know that was like my job i'd be a screenplay analyst i feel like you get it yeah i can honestly say i did not know this was coming when i saw it as a kid and even watching it again i think i could be fooled as an adult that this ending was coming because the movie is really funny because it does almost every single scene reminds you that Aaron definitely killed this guy. Yeah. And that Richard Gere 100% is going to refuse to accept this as truth. But I think it's because they do the double twist. Yeah. Right? Who saw the... It's so funny because this movie is almost like a meta indictment of the courtroom thriller as we all like to watch them. Yeah. And it's weaponizing our belief that that's how real court cases happen (laughs) it does such a good job yeah i mean like i've asked uh we had a my dad's a uh like corporate attorney we had a i had a friend who was an actual trial lawyer and i asked him one time like because i love law and order um and i asked him one time and law and order is another great example of like i know the beats in law and order like i can tell you for sure what's going to happen in an episode of law and order just because it's written that way but doesn't make it any less entertaining but i asked a trial lawyer a friend one time like how close is that she's and she said oh i don't know do you have negative percentage? Can I put that in there? Like, that's not a thing. I'm like, really? And they're like, none of that kind of stuff happens in court. Like it's super uptight and kind of not, it's not interesting like that. Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. This is another great example though of, cause yeah, there's always a twist in those kinds of, in these courtroom procedurals, like <gasps> the evidence everyone thought they didn't have that kind of thing. What primal fear does is gives you the double twist, which in 96 was unheard of. Like that was not a thing anyone was doing. So I can tell you watching it as an adult, obviously I know it's going to happen, but it was still quite thrilling to get the double twist. The second twist is like, Oh shit there. And I totally forgot what Edward Norton said to him to like tip him off. And that we'll get to like the line that I thought was just, there's a line in there that I just think is fucking brilliant. Um, but it's so much, it makes a courtroom drama that otherwise could be like super stuffy. Cause it's like, of course the archdiocese is going to cover up. And of course this guy is a diddler. Like there's no, there's no shock value there at all. Because like we all, especially in 2021, we all know these guys are like, most of them are utter scumbags. So 
the like twist being what a, the twist being what it is, which is that Aaron is a has a dissociative identity pers- uh, disorder. You're like, whoa, that is crazy. And then you get to the end, you're like, wait a second, hold the phone. And then you get to do that thing we all right. love doing, which is going back through the beginning of the movie. And you're like, wow, this is fucking nuts. And if for 1996, it's a great movie to watch. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and that's what's really funny is that there are probably about 50 scenes, right? Because the movie even starts us off by telling us exactly what it's going to do. Right. Which is, if you want uh, justice, go to a whorehouse. If you want to get fucked, go to court. So the movie is fucking telling us. And then they even, you know, Richard Gere, we see his previous, uh, you know, mafia clientele start. They, they add that subplot. Because what's really brilliant is the way they sprinkle it in, right? The first time we see Aaron is actually just in passing it, like one of these big money dinners, right? Everyone's a sleaze bag. Mm-hmm. You know, the priest is <laughs> making a confessional joke. Like, <laughs> it's funny that we're abusing the Catholic Church. <laughs> right? And it's like, that's great. In the background of that, in part of the montage, his gear shows up in his tux is fucking Aaron as a literal choir boy, right? There is. So the movie's doing that. Then they're showing us this uh, cardinal or whatever the fuck he is, right? Kind of hobnobbing with scumbag lawyers and uh, Marty Crane's there being a piece of shit. So you're just like, they're really laying it out that these people are all kind of bad. And one of the brilliant tricks of the movie, right? It's kind of that, you know, the devil's greatest trick was making us believe that he didn't exist. That's what this movie's doing the whole time, right? Yeah. Everything we see in this movie tells us beyond a shadow of a doubt that Aaron did this crime. Mm-hmm. Aaron is 100% guilty. Absolutely. He does a great job, right? So here, let's introduce this mafia client. And, uh, you know, these, oh, these corporate overlords, they're trying to get this land that the archdiocese is a part of. Oh, now they're tough talking a lawyer, right? Marty Crane's coming down. Right. Like, Don't make me sick, idiot. Legal idiot on you, right? You know, he's throwing his fucking weight around. So they have this whiff of, oh, there's something bigger. There's something corrupt. And because they're politicians and heads of church and mafia guys, it has this whiff of, yeah, I don't trust any of those fucking people. Right. Right. But that doesn't change the fact that when you see the guy get fucking brutal, I forgot about the like brutal finger chops. Yeah. And wow. murdering. There's yeah, some special effects in this movie. <laughs> Woo! And then the windows blow <laughs> out. Right. The next thing we see is Aaron running from the cops covered in blood. Yeah. What do we ever see for the rest of the movie that tells us that's not what happened, right? And I love when Richard Gere pauses on his TV, because there's this weird thing Richard Gere does in the movie, which is watch news coverage of himself all the time. Very into himself. When he pauses it and we look at Aaron, we are watching Richard Gere in real time write a script in his mind. That not only do I need to take this case because it's going to be this big money case. We find out maybe later there's something with him and Marty Crane he wants to get revenge for. Right. There's something else going on. But in his mind, he's already begun to write. How could this person be innocent? Right. And watching him for the rest of the movie fucking refuse every single chance to change that narrative is really fucking brilliant because that's how we watch these movies. Yes. I mean, I think that's the thing that's great about because I always it's always weird to me movies about defense lawyers because defense lawyers literally are built to 
you know, essentially these movies particularly are all about the guilty party is clearly guilty. Like in the movies we've watched this month, <laughs> movies we're watching this month, like everyone who gets off is guilty. And it's all about these defense lawyers who figure out how to get them off, other than like one of them. But like everybody, <laughs> like so much about movies that are built around defense, defense attorneys are about like them justifying to themselves getting the guilty off. And I think it's interesting because Richard Gere's character seems like a good guy, but all of them. When is that? When is that scene? Oh, at the very, (laughs) at the very beginning when he's fully willing to admit the hypocrisy of the whole thing. I'm like, I can deal with that. But then like, obviously he decides to go another direction. Yeah. I was going to say his uh, fucking legal fee-feeing of Laura Linney aside and just screaming at everyone because he's even. He essentially is the biggest sack of shit. We will get to, we will get to like, here's my, like, there is a moment in this movie that crystallizes what a sack of shit Richard Gere is in this. And it also, we should get this out on front street because this movie's whole game is right. It's like, don't look at the shitty guy behind the curtain. Yeah. Let's pull the curtain back. Richard Gere. Richard Gere. Horrible. Also, I love that his name is Marty Vale. Vale. Yes, the Vale. (laughs) But no, he's a giant. So here's what he does. He essentially is like, I'm going to light the fuse on this fucking murder bomb, uh, this stuttering murder bomb, and then let my former side piece run up. And she just gets choked. He could have oh, yeah. snapped her fucking neck anything, right? And she's back there smoking and just like, what happened? I almost got killed. He walks up behind her, starts grinding on her pantsuit. He's like, are the fucking... Hey, maybe I'll let you roll around in the hay with me again. <laughs> Thanks for taking the L. Yeah. Bye! yeah that is (laughs) that is the scene like throughout the movie there's like again like i said the very beginning you're like oh maybe this guy's like trying to do the right thing blah 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 no terrible almost immediately that kids you're like well maybe he's trying to find his way back and not really and then like he literally sets up laura linney to get tapped to strikes and you're like wow that's horrible i mean tap to strikes is the best thing that could have happened like she could have just gotten gotten like roadhouse Above all the other things, like he literally sets her up to get murdered in, in the courtroom, mm-hmm. then finishes it off by full-blown sexual harassing her yeah. after he almost got her murdered. He's like, who knows? Maybe she's got that murder boner going. And like, well, not only that, be- so not only does he just game. slide up on her pantsuit, but then he's also like, also, you're unemployed, so I might be your last bridge left. And I was like, yeah, what the you fuck? fuck? I mean, he is a marauder. It's horrifying. He's just burnt this woman's life down, and he's like, and I'm coming for that ass. And, and I'm, like, I'm getting that ass. You're it's- the worst. Because that was the scene in the movie. I was like, if they really wanted to pull a satisfying twist ending, he gets killed. Laura Lenny should have fucking stabbed him with that Agreed. bottle of water just yep. right in the jugular. I, I actually texted you when I was watching this and I like was watching this scene. I'm like, wow, Richard Gere is like full piece of shit. And this movie has not aged well at all. But like, it is insane that that seat to me, this is the crazy thing too. It's like, this is supposed to be the hero of the fucking story. Yeah. It's insane to me that that scene is left in like, oh, well, you know, boys will be boys. Like, it's like, come on if I'm supposed to think this guy is even remotely decent, cause then like, it's weird. Cause like, then that twist comes at the end and it almost invalidates like this, like weird, actually, you know what? I take that back. It doesn't invalidate anything. It actually is exactly what I want. He has to be a piece of shit. He has to be a piece of shit because when it happens, it's like, Oh wow. I am a huge, like that's the revelation he gets is that he actually is a huge piece of shit. 
Well, because here's the thing. It's not at, at the end when Marty Marty Vale is standing in the courtroom and he freezes like, oh, what have I do? Yeah. I don't get the sense he's going to change his ways. No. And I don't get the sense that Roy is, you know, bummed out at cheating the system, right? That moment when he stops and Marty's still talking from wherever the fuck in the back he is, right? That's us getting our knuckles wrapped. Yeah. That's you fucking people wanted this. You want to fucking eat it up, right? A doctor, the legal experts, the judge, jurors. You guys want to believe that this is how it happened, right? Because it is easier to accept that, oh, there's a pocket brain universe, right? And that does exist, I'm sure, somewhere. Sure. But how many people use this as a defense, right? How many of these cases are a true psychiatric disorder versus this? And what the movie is telling us in a kind of meta way is you guys love this. You love these movies that are so outlandish and impossible to accept instead of Occam's razor, which is what's the most likely scenario of truth, right? Just fucking believe that. And you'll almost always be right. You guys want these fucking legal gymnastics and a WrestleMania breaks out. And it's like, no, this guy just absolutely fucking bent the system to his will. Right. And sadly, it probably happens more than we'd like to admit in both directions. Absolutely. Right? So that's all of us to sit there and go, fuck, we are all a part of this, probably. Because the way they send, like, you know, it's the, the what's that fucking vampire's name who does the, the murder shows? Nancy Grace, right? <laughs> so that fucking vampire. Okay, I thought you were actually talking about a vampire. I'm like, oh, no, human vampire. Got no, it. actual vampires have rules. <laughs> Nancy Grace is unleashed, but like she'll just show up in a town and just start being like, I bet this happened. I don't know. And then everyone just is taking this as, you know, oh, that's probably true because, you know, Nosfer HL or whatever said. But that's what I mean. We're all a part of this. I hope that's the networks. That'll be a sick joke if it is. But anywho, that's the that's the world we live in. We like to over sensationalize, right? Like when I was watching this, I couldn't help but think of that Casey Anthony trial, right? Oh, no, absolutely. And I was like, we, I think we as Americans so fundamentally misunderstand the concept of court and reasonable doubt, right? So all her goober lawyer did was like, I don't know, maybe her dad's a rapist. Maybe this happened. And the reason she got off is because the prosecutors were too specific on how they thought the death was. And we lose sight of, this little girl was found in a duffel bag a mile from her parents' house. Right. She didn't report her child missing for 30 days and was out living it up. You're like, let's use some reasonable doubt here, right? We both have kids, right? Yes. If you couldn't find your kids for 30 minutes, it would be DEFCON 5. But that's, I, I mean, you, that's, that's a I whole other thing. I can tell you right thing. now, I've let, like, I've, like, my parents who are fully vaccinated now, my parents took my kid on a walk. And I legitimately was terrified because yeah. it's just like, like he's out of my, I haven't seen him in a yeah. whole minute. So who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Like that's right. like, yeah, absolutely. The reasonable doubt thing is for that's sure. That's what that. I'm saying though. Right. So any reasonable person is like, Oh, she didn't report her kid missing for 30 days. She is 100% responsible for what happened to that kid. Yes. Now, however it happens, this and that, whatever, she's probably involved. But what happens is, again, fucking, uh, you know, Nosfer Karen comes down <laughs> and she starts just throwing in 
oh, well, wouldn't it be great for ratings if the brother's a diddler and the dad's a diddler and there was abuse and we get caught up on all of these side things. Yes. Right. And I think like to your dad's point, this is not how court works, but that's how we want it to work. It's right. dramatic. It's good well, versus evil. Because and it's interesting, like we've seen movies about we see movies and TV about the law and about things that happen. So because that like that's what's great about Primal Fear, too, is it plays with our perception of what this actually is, because in reality, this case is probably if you made this into a movie of like realistic proportions, it's like a really boring movie of a guy sitting in a law law library reading precedents. Like, well, this is this is the inverse of Spotlight. Spotlight right. is people doing Spotlight diligent evidence-based work and watching people yes. do homework, right? This is the salacious late this night. This is news. the Nancy Grace version. And yes. that's like a really important thing is that it does as much like and you're right like we do as much work for the like for the law as the law does for us like we allow the court of public opinion to sway and like that is a big part of this movie as well is like everyone's perception of the archdiocese of aaron stampler of Mar marty vale like all these people that are in this movie like that's why marty likes watching himself on tv because he knows he's like sort of a celebrity I it's love like that. Yes, I love the bit of all of the lawyers watching the TV constantly. Yes, because you're like, why the fuck does that matter? Right. You're really playing to these jurors and supposedly the truth. What I love about the movie, too, is it throws this concept out. I feel like that's the only kind of true thing in this movie is that this movie knows that the courtroom is not about truth. Right. As much as this game. Right. Because um, yeah. that was Richard Gere's thing early again building on this he believes in what he does and that he's always right in this and that yeah um is at the start when uh the reporter's like when did you know you had him he's like the day i took the case and i was like that lets you know who this man is from the moment he takes the case right. he cannot let it creep in that oh i might be letting these murderers off and this night he's there to win he's there playing yeah. a different blood sport game and he will just win with whatever pieces he's given, right? It doesn't well, I mean, matter if the guy's innocent or not. Well, right. I mean, which it's is a, his job. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's what the concept of the superstar lawyer is like. It's the guy, like you get the guy, you pay the big retainer because he's the best. He's mm -hmm. the most creative. He's the one who put the best stuff. And like, I think that's what's like, for one, to me, like, this is like, I've watched enough of these now where I'm watching there. I'm like, I think there should have been like probably a mistrial as soon as, or like <laughs> he would have fully been disbarred for not like um, automatically telling the court, like, Hey, my client has DID rather than like, cause that is like a big, you're putting everyone in danger for one, but also that's like a huge thing that can throw the case. So like, my like immediately, cause I'm trying to enjoy the movie and like watch it happen and like let it in the middle of it. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, how is this guy still a lawyer? Like, well, the judge, the disarmed. judge said, like, well, you can't switch it up. And I was like, what? Like, you can't yeah, say oh, that. I didn't understand. Pants. That's like some legal thing is like, you can't do a that's insanity a, plea yeah. once you're mid trial because you could get disbarred. Like, that's I think you just have to let that kind of stuff slide. That's right? the one you got to give to law movies. You're like, <laughs> I don't know enough about this. That's that's the one. I'm like, I don't know what this is. Yeah, so, yeah there you go. Yeah. I was like, I don't know jack shit, but I would hope that if I'm a lawyer, it's like, yeah, dude, I was doing my paperwork and this guy fucking threw me in a figure four headlock and like choked me out. I think this guy's fucking nuts. And I'm like, nope, 
nope, nope. no changing it now. You may not You're change st- it now. Yeah. <laughs> you can't recast Michael Landon in season three of Stairway to Heaven. Nope, there uh, aren't uh, dinosaurs uh, out. We can't change. Words. You can't change, please, in the middle of a dinosaur ride. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Yeah. But um weird. Yeah. But, but yeah. this is the cool thing, though, right? So back to the Richard Gere thing. I think he's a beautiful lens for this movie, right? Yes. Because one, he's the anti everyman, right? Mm-hmm. So slick, super so fucking, not everyman. So handsome, so smart, so rich, so filled with gerbils. Yeah, <laughs> is that a crime? <laughs> we'll have to yeah. litigate that. In part. Primal fear is actually what the hamsters were feeling. <laughs> I still have no idea why this is called primal fear. I okay. Can we get to that later? I have to talk. No, let's do that now. Fuck it. We'll get back to Richard here. Why the fuck is this movie, is this called, movie primal called Primal Fear? Fear? What is the primal fear? Like, I don't know. Like, I texted you in the middle of this. I'm like, why is this movie called this? Like, I would have called it like, I don't know. I don't know what I would have called it, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> two men and a preacher? <laughs> two men, one preach. <laughs> it's... It's such a weird title for this movie because like it evokes something that I think it evokes something that makes me immediately because I when I was a kid, I always confused this one and that Mark Wahlberg movie Fear. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty just much because, the same thing. Just because like just poorly behaving whites getting away with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two poorly behaved white boys just getting away with whatever. Like it didn't. It never competed for me, but I didn't watching this movie this year. I didn't know why it was called primal fear. Like I tried looking up, like what would the definition of primal fear be? Couldn't find a satisfactory fear of answer. the dark. That's what fear I think. Of, yeah. Fear like what are built in genetic fear? Like they genetic say fears. when we see reptiles, right? Right. That our ancient brains associate that with that's different. That's not mammalian. That's a predator. What, right. This, I mean, I guess the primal fear in this movie is that we're all so much less than we think we are right the entire character of martin vale is built on i don't know all lies like i'm a good guy laura lenny should like me well no you're a bit of a sack of shit well you know i i defend the innocent like when he gives that reporter his whole spiel about you know why i really do it it's like fuck off no you don't you're just a fucking scumbag you like the extra money so maybe the primal fear is that we are so much dumber and smaller and insignificant than we think so at the that. end when he freezes and it's like, how did I fucking buy this hook, line and sinker? And he must on some level recognize that he was the author of this story as right. much as uh, Roy. I was that like, maybe, but sense. I'm like, is that a fucking primal fear? <laughs> well, I thought about like, maybe the primal fear is the fear of, I guess primal fear would be the fear of being wrong. That was like the first thing I thought of. Like, yeah, I think as a human, you have to get over the being wrong. That shit just happens air day. Well, that's for <laughs> you and I, the common man. For guys like for guys like Marty Vale, they're not always wrong. They're I think they're wrong. Marty. They just fucking get away with it by crippling the system. <laughs> so that means their primal fear would be getting like it's just a weird. It's a weird title for this kind of movie. I mean, like, but t- beyond that, like, no, I studied. By the way, like the poster for this movie is bizarre, and I never like it's. It's it feels Richard. like he has an angel shadow. Is yeah, that he closer? has like angel wing shadows. And I didn't, I still didn't understand that. Like, and I later like, we what? realized they're actually demon wings. <laughs> and he's just... sword on the wings of a demon. <laughs> <laughs> they're actually just, they're just wings to take him from his one sexual harassment to the next. Like, <laughs> it's, 
I didn't like, (laughs) there's a lot of marketing. And I wondered if that's just like, if that was just like the 1996 of it all is like Richard Gere is still a very famous actor. So we have to like, say like, Oh, Richard Gere is, you know, he's an angel. I'm like, no, he is not. But this gets back to the, maybe this is all part of the ploy, right? Right. Okay. So I don't know how the primal fearness plays in. Right. But this lawyer who's, you know, an angel and he's caught in a dark alley. He's caught in a dark legal situation where he's got to get off the innocent victim boy. Right. Right. So it's this duality that they're always playing with. Right. The mask, the Hawthorne quote. Right. Do we wear many masks? Sure. Right. So maybe that poster setting our parents primal fear. Right. So there's oh, there's more. It's scarier. Something weird's going on. But again, when we see Aaron soaked in blood, he's got the fucking ring. Right. He did it. How do we keep muddying it? Do you remember the first time we saw Aaron after that? Richard Gere is walking into jail in every cell, right? They had those little rectangle windows, right? Mm -hmm. Just fucking hardened criminal men. I'll get you. Spit on the glass. You know, jerk off on the glass. Ah, right. You know, it's the uh, island of lost toys, right? Right. Well, it's the come to Aaron's uh, window and he's small and he's sitting in the on the cot and he's shrinking, right? And he looks like a scared little boy who's like, where the fuck am I? And again, it's through this tiny little rectangle, right? Peeping into this other world, this other reality that Aaron's sitting and basking in. And in that moment, because that's the cool thing is you have to start being like, oh, so the movie's POV is Richard Gere, right? Right. So we're watching it through that lens. And at that moment is when I was like, oh, fuck, this whole movie's a lie. This whole movie is a lie because it's us seeing everything through Richard Gere's lens, right? Right. Where everyone keeps telling him that Aaron did it. And he just keeps saying, he's like, I think he's telling the truth. I think he's innocent. I believe there's that great scene when he comes out and they got fucking uh, clocked in court and he's, he didn't see it coming, right? About right. the Hawthorne passage. And he's like, why the fuck didn't you guys find it? Ah. And his assistant's just like, wait a sec, you you know that Aaron did this, right? Like, we're trying a third-man defense because we want to win. But right. she's like, you know he did this, right? And he's like, I don't accept that he did it. And he's just furiously mad. Defiant. But his, his, his two associates are like, oh, shit, we thought you knew. We thought we were doing the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, but you know this motherfucker did it. And I think Francis McDormand says it, at, or Dermot says it at one point, like, yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure this guy probably did it. I'm not going to bullshit you. What is fun is then watching. So as the movie is letting Richard Gere lie to us, then we watch Richard Gere start to lie and take authorship of the story as well. Right. And the pivotal scene, right, is where we see Roy and uh, uh, Marty have their first showdown. Right. That's the pivot because we saw Roy come out a little bit with the doctor. Because mm-hmm. one of the questions I wanted to ask you, do you think that this was some kind of plan that Roy cooks up or do you think Marty is more the author of this defense strategy because Roy definitely hits him or Roy reveals himself to the doctor first right but in that scene right where you see them going at each other I had to wonder who started this defensive snowball rolling because I would argue that this is marty's story and script that he wrote and roy just played the part exceptionally what do you make of that 
you're saying the Marty's in on it or no, no, no. I'm saying, do you think that when Roy got arrested or Aaron got arrested, right? That he's like, Oh, I'm going to do the split personality defense. Or do you think talking through Marty, he picked up the cues. Oh, I can get this guy to run and just was taking his cues from Marty. No, I mean, for me, like I saw the long con for Roy to me, like for me personally, like this is an act of then there's an act of vengeance here beyond reproach. Like, I think that this starts be this starts so far before the movie begins, like even back to when he was a kid, like they talk about how more than likely Aaron came from an abusive home. His father was abusive and that kind of thing. Like they, he drops little hints here and there. I think this is le- what I've, what I picked up from this movie is this is legitimately like Roy's crusade because this is like, right. The end of the movie is like the twist at the end. Like when he reveals like this whole thing has been a sham. The thing that I love the most is that is twofold. One, the line that he gives is like, there were like he's like so roy's not even real there was never a roy and he goes there was never an errand yeah he's like, like cancel i'm disappointed in you yeah oh i love that like, fuck. <laughs> that is a great i mean that is a great line because it reveals the entire movie right there which is this is a fucking long con from roy the real person okay but roy. here here's here's the divergent point that i'm asking about right i think he creates a a, a Aaron. To try to soften himself up. Laura Lenny at one point is like, you want to put that handsome stutterer up there to gain sympathy. Right. I think he knows that part. The okay. question I have is when he decides, oh, I will reveal Roy. And now we're not doing a third man defense. Now we're doing a, I did this, but an other inside of me did it, right? Oh, the dark passenger took that over. That is very specific. Because that's why he- Marty knows about the clouded past. He knows about this and that. So I think once he knows, when Marty comes in, because again, that's the leverage point. He turns off the camera, right? And I think that's a really important moment. He turns off the camera because he doesn't want anyone to know that his truth is shattered. And he starts, you did it, you little fuck. I know you fucking killed him. Tell me the truth. You lied to me. I don't trust you. So this is the point in the movie, right? This is the midpoint, the point of no return, where Marty knows for a fact that he is wrong, that he has believed a lie, that he has been passionately defending that this kid didn't do it. Now he knows that this kid did it. And I think in that moment, Roy sees a crack and he's like, I've got to give him something. Right. And so he goes, what the fuck do you think? What? And when Marty puts his finger up, don't come in, doc. I think that is a collaborative writing exercise where Roy is just trying to follow him step for step where he wants to go. Cause I really do think the, the origin of this is more Marty than Roy at times. I mean, I think that it's twofold. Like I think that, cause it, again, you like Roy is clearly the smartest person in the room. That's obvious. But, and even that, not even, he's the only one who is believing he knows right, the truth. But Everyone is else the, is rewriting. Well, this is like the really that's like what's pinnacle about the end of the movie is like, he's the only one who's telling the truth the entire time in reality. Like, yeah, he never, like he gives the uh, Oscar worthy performance as Aaron Mm -hmm. because Roy is Roy Doesn't want to go to jail. Roy wants to get out of this. Roy gets out of it. He figures a way out. But I think a really important thing about this is Roy plays Marty so well that 
he doesn't even realize that Marty's not in on it. He thinks Marty understands. He even says it. He goes, I thought, I thought you knew the whole time. I thought you were just letting me do it. That's what I mean though. Right. So by hook or crook, Marty is kind of the author. Right. And he's just doing what he needs to do to get this across the line. Cause Marty is the one who's pushing him. He essentially, when he's yelling at him, he goes, I'm losing this fucking case. Yeah. You need to lay it out now. Tell me something. Right. And so what does Roy do? He reveals himself. He's like, here's the fucking truth of it. Here's what's happening. Right. Right. So he's letting him in on the truth. And then Marty takes that and goes, aha, not. Oh, fuck. My client did it. But there is a third man, an internal third man. And he's holding the finger up to the doctor like, get out. That's the defense awareness of it all is using this to it. So this is the part that I was like, wouldn't he be disbarred for doing this? But I guess not, because, again, that's the one you give. But like that's using your defense. That's using what you know as the ammo. And I think that's that's what makes that's what completely compiles Richard Gere further as a huge piece of shit. Marty uses this ammo to his advantage rather than going rather than being honest and doing the right thing and saying, Hey, the client is clearly insane. There's a problem. And then you get the reveal at the end and like, Oh my God, like I let a, I let a, I let this guy get away with it. Cause I'm a bad lawyer. Like the revelation is oh, because he's a, he's a really lawyer. good lawyer. <laughs> right. He's a really good lawyer. The revelation isn't like I'm a really good lawyer and a horrible person. The revelation yeah. is, wow, I'm a great lawyer. And I feel sort of bad, yeah. but I'm probably going to go to the bar, get plastered and forget all about this. him land sharking. Laura Lenny wasn't a red flag to him. He's like, oh, <laughs> that was fine. But now I'm bad. But this is what I mean, right? Because that has a lot of this movie. The script for this movie is brilliant, right? I think it's really long. I would have cut out all the fucking mafia shit on the side. And, oh, the guy got thrown in the rip. But again, I think all that is just to throw reasonable doubt on us, the audience, right? Yeah. So it serves a purpose, right? But what it is, this script is just full of these double moments. And when this is one of those movies where I really think it, it the second watch might be more fun than the first. Yeah. It's fun to get, you know, slapped upside the head with, oh, fuck. It's really fun to go back and say, holy shit, they had us the whole time. Yeah. And this one is perfection in how they lay it out. But that scene has a couple lines where uh, he comes out and he's got and he's like, I'm Roy. And he's like, so you killed the you know, the preacher or whatever. Right. And he's like, you saw, you see Aaron. He couldn't kick his own ass. And in that moment, he's saying, you see that Aaron is the fake. Yeah. And Richard Gere just takes that and internalizes it through his own fucking bullshit machine. Right. He goes, he, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he's he fucking just, telling him specifically. He, he doesn't <laughs> do the, he does the thing that, he does the thing that normal people would do, which is take it at face value. He does not do what, like if it, let's, let's say we switch him. If this was a Laura Lenny movie and she was Marty Vale, you know, she would grill the shit out of him. And Francis McDormand, who is a great, who's supposed to be this great psychiatrist, wouldn't have gone. He's clearly faking. Right. But that's another thing though. How many of those doctor, right. But how many of those doctors spend their whole career wanting to find this moment right he's a great case study so it's the self-fulfilling prophecy yes absolutely that's but it's it's brilliant because again as the holder of the truth he's helping them he's giving them what they want to write their own truths she wants this to be a split personality because i've studied it for years i've never seen one like this this will become the paper that becomes the definitive right you know fucking split personality so she wants it she fucking wants it and buys it. 
Because again, he plays this blank slate where everyone's filling him with their own nonsense, right? So not only does he, he starts grilling Marty like you see Aaron, right? He can't kick anyone's ass. He couldn't commit this crime. No shit. Marty's like, aha, <laughs> you know, I was right the whole time. And then he goes, don't you fucking show that tape to anyone. It's motive. Right. So now, now Roy knows what Marty's steps are and is right. playing along. Yes. Right. So I, I guess you could argue maybe I wasn't all the way right that Marty's the gen. I think Marty's still the Genesis, but Roy is right. a co-author for sure. But well, Roy's a co-author. I think what's fascinating, like what's really interesting is he Roy basically uses Marty as a patsy to get yeah. out of this. Like that's really kind of like the that's really kind of like the thing that is most fascinating is. Roy is so con- Roy is so convinced that he's he's rightly so that he's got everyone over a barrel that he's so sure of it that he believes it doesn't like that's the thing that I love about that final scene is he literally doesn't even believe he's so good at this he doesn't even believe that he could do it on his own he's like I was sure you were in on it like I yeah. thought you knew like yeah that's how <laughs> insane this guy is is he's so good at it he's so sociopathic that he doesn't even think he's that he doesn't even think he's accomplished enough to possibly do this. He just does it. It's a preter, it's preternatural. So for, for Marty to literally not know is almost unfathomable because she's just like, how could you be so dumb? And that is because yeah, you're not a dumb guy, but how is anyone buying how is this? Anyone shit? buying this? It's fascinating. I mean, that's really kind of like yeah. what makes the character that much more lethal at the end of the movie is you're just sitting there and you're like this guy like i you know we talk about like what happens you know the more interesting movie happens like after the cameras stop rolling what like this guy ends up going on like a blood quest to every archdiocese and just pulls the aaron stampler defense as time goes on like it's i mean i feel like he's going to be the guy who just goes somewhere else and read like a talented mr ripley absolutely thing, right? he just does the it question over becomes over what does marty vale do because i will guess he takes the next high dollar case oh i don't think the marty same vale shit changes a fucking thing about his, his no MO. no and that's the thing because again this is all about the mask right the scene when he he's at the bar and this is the Invino veritas scene right it's another one where the guy is trying to get a, a quote for his paper or whatever. And Marty says, why gamble with money when you can gamble with people's lives? And he yes. goes, no, I'm just kidding. And I was like, the fuck you are. Fuck That's you exactly are. what you, you fucking think. sociopath. Yeah. And then he's like, Absolutely. oh, well, you know, I just I think sometimes really good people do some really bad things. And it's like, that's your horseshit line. That first yeah. line. That's what you're doing. That's you're fucking real, adrenaline yeah. junkie. Right. Absolutely. You like all the side shit. But he just he can't even be honest with himself. So how can he accept the truth of this other man when he doesn't even know the truth of him? Fuck his fucking self. So I was just I thought that was great because the the courtroom scenes again. I questionable at best. He's essentially doing the ancient alien defense. Yeah. Isn't it possible? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it possible that a Robotron with that? Not, no, you know, what I mean? like he's just, he just keeps saying, isn't it possible? Right. And then, yeah, once the tape gets added in, now we're we're doing this whole other. Oh, fuck. Now it's gotten real. And I think that's another one of those funny things, which is. That's a That is a tried and true legal defense is blaming the victim for their own death. Right. And so that's another one of those throwing it on to where we've all heard this story enough. And it's so sickening and sadly too common 
They were like, good. We're glad that motherfucker got chopped up. We want to believe that Aaron can still be a good guy, even though he's this butcher. So we start wanting to buy into this again. The movie tells us don't believe anything you're hearing. It's true. But we want to. And that's what I think the trick. And it works well, even on subsequent viewings. It does. The, the just giving us the fucking, you know, slide to go down works every fucking scene. It's really and, amazing. And it like absolutely shouldn't after the first mm-hmm. viewing. And yet it works so well because this is just because it's it's masterfully acted. Yeah. The story is crafted well enough where you don't feel like you're being you don't feel like this is a thing that a lot of movies like this do that annoys the shit out of me is like they purposely lead you astray mm-hmm. on a different tangent. Like like we talked about the, the mafia subplot. Yes. Wildly unnecessary. Like I literally like it does only to demonstrate what a piece of shit Richard Gere is, <laughs> which we need no help with at all in this. But movie. I, I think it's also it's just throwing the church right because it's a man of god a respected man right. of god they're just sullying his name right so it is weird because in a meta sense it plays very much like how we think courtroom movies play um I, but that's i think what you're getting to right is like it's one of my problems because people always are like you don't like saw the movie saw and i was like no that whole movie's built on nonsense the idea of it is great right right but this is horror this is cheating in a movie so in the movie Saw, right, uh, the guy's st- stuck in the dungeon, right? Him and this other guy, and there's a dead body, right? They're figuring shit out. At one point, a man in black goes to capture his wife and his kid. And what does he do? He holds a fucking gun to them and listens as their heartbeat increases, right? Letting us know that that's a bad person because no one would ever do that in real life, even if they were also being tricked to go kidnap a family because you would i don't know maybe just want to get the job done and not torture the fuck out of a mom and kid and then at the end they're like he was also a a victim you're like that's fucking bullshit that's (laughs) fucking bullshit and you lied to us specifically so that we couldn't figure out who the real killer was that's fucking cheating this movie i would argue doesn't cheat because the character is willingly lying to himself Right. The characters are lying to us, not the storytellers. Right. And that's the important distinction. That's why this one works so well. And again, him grabbing the microphone. Right. Be a man. Don't act like that is him again reaffirming. This is his fucking delusion as much as it is everyone else's. Right. Roy might be playing the part, but this is Marty's uh, fucking spectacle for, you know, he's like the stage magician and Aaron or Roy become the, you know, person the lady he's gonna saw well, in half. well yeah he aaron aaron roy is like the tight is like the lion with his mouth open and then the guy puts <laughs> right. his head like like literally it's all of us putting our head in the lion's mouth yeah. i mean yeah. that but again that never gets old that watching a thrill like that is the thing that never gets old and i think mm-hmm. that's what works so well about primal fear is it you know what's coming and yet it still is thrilling to watch right because i well it's 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 fucking human theater right absolutely that always is going to be compelling to us that's why you know fucking nos for karen nancy grace (laughs) gets to keep having a job like that is because we always sadly will be into that we just will it's our very nature is what humans can do this depravity right like it is the spice of our sad little lives and this is the the funny thing about this movie right is again this movie we got to talk about the ending because this might be one of the most famous and impactful endings in movie history. 
I always wonder, would this movie have been a big hit and still equally as thrilling and interesting without that ending? I There's no way it would be as good, but I think this is a pretty, like this would be the movie that my mom would have been like, I'm glad I watched that, right? Oh, it's a wild split personality, sexual deviance in the church case, right? That ending is just an extra level that, that is transcendent. So I would say the movie itself is just like this kind of C minus courtroom movie. And again, that ending goes back like CRISPR and rewrites all of these extra layers on it that make right. it so much more than it was. Right. Right. What walk me through this ending? What about it? I mean, it's obviously just one of the all timers. Yeah. I mean, for me, the ending works. The ending is much better than I think any of us the ending as a double, like a double twist, I guess. The ending works and is most thrilling because it plays on the sim- it plays on the sympathies we all have for someone and that's mm-hmm. like we all feel we all want a victim to be exonerated we don't mm-hmm. ever want to see a victim who took matters into their own hands um feel that they are still a victim so you're like oh wow this guy has multiple issues and of course we root for him so for them to throw it out the window and be like he doesn't have multiple issues or at least the issues we want him to have. He's not a victim. He victimizes, but he sort of victimizes the right people. This weird, like you were saying, dark passenger thing. It's just the dark passenger though. I think what makes it impactful and makes it worthwhile is to be honest with you, deep down, all of us want that. We all want to have the ability to say, Oh yeah, I'd fucking do that too, man. I don't even care. Like the truth is all of us, none of us would take matters on our own hands like that, but we watch characters like this because it's this wish fulfillment we all have of like, I would also be willing to do that and put my life on the line to prove someone like we all would be willing to say what's wrong with the world, mm-hmm. but to actually straight up murder someone <laughs> is a very different proposition altogether. Well, I think we're as a society, the only way we exist is because we're more errands than Roy's. Yes. Right. hundred percent. I think what the ending does for me is it's not even, I think it's because we know Richard Gere's a shitty guy and we know that Aaron did the crime. So even if he gets off, right. And like, Oh, it's so sad. What happened to this kid? He'll get the help he needs. I think the way it is when the shot, when it's just his hands. Yeah. I think that's a really important moment because again, it's, it's the camera reminding us too, that this was all a sleight of hand, Mm -hmm. but also we're not seeing his face because that's the time for us to sit and in a reflective way, see the egg on our own faces. Right. It's a mystery. I mean, I think the, I think the magician analogy came up with where is really apt. Like Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a misdirect. It's exactly what you would do. Like you see someone's hands, like you see someone's hands tremoring. You're like, what's going on with that guy? You're not paying attention to their face because Mm -hmm. that's not like, it's unusual to watch people's hands tremor. So yeah. You're obviously going to pay attention to the thing that's happening there and not the other thing, which is like this guy's face is yeah, probably the, not the as unfurling as smile that I'm glad I finally told. But in, in that moment, it's so funny to watch Richard Gear because again, the what I take from the end is he's like, Oh my, and he'll grapple with this for like the <laughs> afternoon, right? He'll and probably he's like, wa- he'll walk oh, to thank the God, happy hour. I do need a marguerite. <laughs> like, hit me to walk to the ball, get a trash arita, and definitely guzzle, guzzle a couple oysters, go sexually harass a legal, <laughs> you know, a paralegal, and that'll be that. Yeah. And then he'll be like, oh man, I'm such a great lawyer again. 
but because that's the line that that just crushed me is when he's like i i i killed that bitch linda she got what she deserved and he's like it doesn't matter who you hear it from it's the same story and right. that's the key to the movie is that we were all watching the same story but again yeah. we're writing it to be this fun lifetime movie version that we want this thrilling twist and turns and this and that and really what it is is just <laughs> it's absolutely just this guy who fucking brutally murdered someone and whatever yeah. the reasons are you don't get to just run around and start butchering people so we all knew what was happening and we all fucking wanted in a way we had the dissociative personality right where we yeah. created this pocket version of ourselves where we could accept that the truth is not the truth and I that line again, it doesn't matter who you hear it from. It's the same story that should have been on the poster of this movie instead of the fucking sexual assault demon wings or whatever, because yeah. that is what makes this movie brilliant. Agreed. Primal fear, man. Primal whatever fear. the name means. If you go to the gerbil community, they know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for primal fear. Uh, our verdict kick-ass movie you guys should enjoy <laughs> we'll be back next week um with a slightly less guilty client the devil in the devil's advocate another movie i love guys we have some exceptional guest hosts coming up with some really awesome movies so make sure you subscribe share with your friends subscribe to the youtube channel film alchemist leave those rating and reviews share us on your social media and just reach out to us however you can we love hearing from you guys uh, that's it for today for the Film Alchemist. I'm Josh Griffey. I am Alex Dandino. 